thank you for coming on uh, Her Incredible Mind, Kara. We are uh, very, very excited to have you uh, with you being at Savvy as the Chief uh, Marketing Officer. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. We're excited. So can you tell me a little bit about what you do? Yes. So as you said, I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Savvy. So I'm responsible for all things marketing. One of the things I love about my job is marketing has such a large remit. So all the way from building the brand and the messaging, creating awareness in the market through figuring out who our target audience is, how we should be talking to them, why our product matters to them, generating demand and leads that we pass off to sales. I love the alignment in marketing with sales. That's one of the things I'm passionate about in my role um, through our customers. So how are we talking to our customers engaging with them, supporting them. So it really runs the, the gamut. You know, I think what's interesting now, especially with marketing is you're dealing with so much data. Um, you know, it's interesting to see the metrics that you kind of work through, right? As, as a marketing professional, you're relying now more and more on the stats and the figures that come with that, you know, in order to enable that sales force, you know what I mean? In order to keep that enablement of your sales force, you know, 150%, you know, in check. Do you feel like that is something that, you know, as your career has evolved, you see more and more of? Yeah. And you see it through roles like performance or growth marketing. And I always joke because I, I always say, what does that mean? We all should be doing that as marketers. We should be looking at the data and figuring out is what you're doing working. If you don't have numbers or goals and then numbers to track against those goals, how do you know if what you're doing is working? So there's definitely an influx of it and it can be overwhelming. Um, for me, a lot of it comes back to what is our strategy? Why are we doing what we're doing? And then how do we use that data to support it and to really gauge if it's working or not? Yeah, so it, you know, that is an unbelievably great point because it is truly about the strategy and supporting the strategy through the data, not just using data sometimes to create the strategy because you don't know sometimes what the qualifications are behind that or how you know, that data was put together. It could be, you know, for different different measures than you were used to. So, you know, it, it's an interesting thing now, uh, I think so much with the data because it drives so much of what we do, but we still need to really kind of, you know, uh, put it in, in, where, in perspective to where it needs to be within, you know, within the company. Yeah, we I sometimes joke what's in a number because you can, can sometimes have numbers tell you whatever you want them to. Um, and it's how you're using those and in, in the lens in which you're, numbers are nothing without like the narrative and, and tying it back to the business and, and why it matters. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. So one of the questions we talk about too is, you know, kind of what, what matters to you most when you're thinking about your career? That's a good one. Um, I am a team person. So I really think about the people that I'm working with, the leadership team at a company that I'm going to, and what is the company doing? So Stavi, one of the things that compelled me to come here is just the impact. So I've been in tech my whole life and really passionate through a lot of different learnings and career navigating that I wanna be in a technology that is disrupting something, but also for the better. Like there's a real social responsibility that comes with that. And one of the things we talk about at Stavi is just creating a world in which there's more accessibility for folks. So we're talking about digitizing the lending process and that's really far reaching, you know, in different demographics and different types of companies and having an impact 
is really something that has driven me in my career as well. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, what a nice uh, you know kind of a way that you're you're approaching equity right within within organizations and trying to make sure that equity is there across the board when you're thinking about lending and and there are you know we hear it all the time that this diversity that need that needs to be within you know all of the even the venture capital firms and you know and if it's financial or you know banking you still see that there's a big push you know for equity when when you're looking at getting equity <laughs> you know yeah. so it's it's interesting perspective yeah and you know we talk about things like the words we use right like we um, have a product, we actually got our start in servicing. And so one of the things we talk about is, you know, foreclosure and how to ease that process and eliminate some of the complication. And even terms like foreclosure, we have leaders on our team who are talking about, you know, lender versus borrower versus foreclosure. And how do we think about what these things mean in the market? And I, I get really passionate just being at this organization because it's a group of disruptors and pioneers who really want to change. And we're talking about things like language and not just terms we use, but how do we also break it down and make it approachable for people? Like talk in layman's terms so that it doesn't seem so complicated and you need to have a PhD to understand what right. we're doing. Yeah, you know, uh, I recently had a conversation with someone that they're actually designing, they're looking at language even when you're job posting. So your job postings need to be written in a certain way to, you know, kind of attract, you know, women. There are there are um, ways to write a job posting that will attract, you know, more women versus women sometimes read a job posting and there's something that is in the back of their head that says, oh, this isn't for me. And it really could be, but because it's written in a certain way, you know, there's an assumption that, you know, it's not, it's not the role that I'm looking for. So yeah. interesting thing. It is. And I, um, I think there's a, some kind of research that was done about women, if they don't feel like they can fit hundred percent of the role, won't apply for it versus men. If, even if they think they 25% of the way there, they'll apply for it. We've, I've seen that, um, we even do it here and how you change the wording or even some of the bullets that you would put in things like requirements it's it's fascinating when you think about it from a language perspective because you know um we've been talking like this for for centuries right or these job postings have been there for 50 years plus you know 70 years whatever it's been and you think about it and you think to yourself wow they were all probably written at one time by by male you know males that across the board so it it kind of makes sense that as we go along and women enter the workforce more and more that the language will change. So it, it's interesting, very, very interesting. It's, it's uh, I think that you're spot on in the assessment of that one. Neat, very, very neat. So what matters to you most when you're kind of looking at jobs across the board? Being in tech, a lot of what I look at is what is the tech? What are they offering? Um, you know, tech is one of those, I've been at companies that have, um, kind of ridden out the wave and become more of a commodity. And that is a really hard place to be. Then you get really focused on the bottom line and not that growth companies aren't, but it's like when everything is soaring, it's very different than when it's kind of dire straits. And so looking at, I mean, it's very unpredictable, right? But um, having the vision and the approach in market that you feel like you can get behind um, and how am I going to grow in my own role? Like, am I going to be pushed outside my comfort zone? And even the last role that I was in, um, 
you know, I, I was talking to people when I was leaving and everyone's like, why are you leaving? You had such a great job. And I did. And I loved the company that I was at, but you can get comfortable in where you are. And now that I'm on the other side, I've been at this company for almost a year. There are things that I didn't, yes, I wanted to get uncomfortable because I think that's where growth comes from, but I didn't even realize what that meant. Um, and it's like that learning where you are pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. You're, I wanted to go to an industry I hadn't been in. I was in really established companies and I wanted to go to a startup. And so I consciously knew that I was going to be doing things that pushed me, but actually going through the experience is a whole other level of learning that you can't get when you're just sitting at your desk thinking about it. So I look for, you know, am I going to be doing something different? Am I going to be working with a different group of people? Um, is for me in tech, like, is it a tech that I can get behind and really feel like I understand, do they have a vision and do they know where they're going and who they want to be? Uh, and what can I learn that I don't already know? And I think that's something, you know, we don't have the answer to when we're sitting on the other side. Um, but for me, it's about like, how do I continue to grow as a person and as a professional? You know, that's an amazing advice for young girls, um, especially teens. You know, when I when I hear you say that, you know, I think about uh, the challenges that they go through and the fact that they um, when they go outside that comfort zone, you know, that we all have, um, you know, it's intimidating for them and it becomes overwhelming and they don't understand. I think that sometimes this is not going to be the only time you feel this way. Uh, you know, throughout your career journey, like you said, you can stay in a comfort zone, you can stay within, you know, one area, but you won't grow, you know, you won't grow. And that's, and that's something, you know, that's really important, you know, is that you continue to grow. But when you go and you do something like you did, which is kudos to you for, you know, really recognizing that and coming outside the zone. There is a lot of self-doubt that goes with that. There are moments that you, you know, look back and say, you know, why did I do this? You know, or, you know, um, you know, I'm not qualified for this. I don't, you know, I'm not at the level that I thought I was, you know, the doubt that comes along with that is, is really, um, you know, for me has been sometimes overwhelming. And then there's other times where you, you just need to buckle down and say, you know what, you've got to stop and you need to put your, you know, your, 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 um, your mind in gear and say, you know what, I can, I can do this. I've got this you know, and it's really important. Yeah, I um, can relate to everything that you're saying. And I've, I've actually talked before about imposter syndrome. And I, I actually think it's not a bad thing. Like you're, you're, but you have to quickly shift from the doubt to, well, how do I solve for this? And what does this mean? And how do I lean into this feeling to work through it and get to the other side? Um, you know, I had that taking this job, like this is the biggest job that I've ever been in. Um, at the smallest company that I've ever been in. And there's so many dynamics that I wouldn't have even seen that I'm kind of working through, but that there's growth in that. And something at every stage of my career that I have struggled with and feel like I have a, the best handle on it now that I've ever had is I always felt like I needed to know everything. I needed to have all the answers. I needed to do all the work. And I, I experienced just the self-doubt and the imposter syndrome at every level when you don't feel like you can deliver on those things. And it took me, you know, a long time and different moments in my career to realize I don't need to have all, nobody has all the answers, by the way. And if they do, those, that's the person you're looking at, like this person thinks they have all the answers. That's mm -hmm. not possible. 
So what in tech in particular, there's a lot of cross-functional work that happens. And so it's the ability to understand what you, to know what you don't know, to know where to get the answers. And in my case, I look at who am I hiring? Like I, I'm hiring really smart people in my organization that all complement one another. So we don't all know everything, but we all know pieces and parts and together we make a really great team, uh, which is why, you know, I've been on a team my entire life and I'm a middle child. So um, I don't operate alone ever. And this just kind of this realization and, and, and just embracing it for what it is has really helped me in my career because I've definitely had moments where you just feel like I'm a failure because I can't, you know, I'm never gonna know. One of the companies I was at was like super technical. And I felt like I'm never going to know all these speeds and feeds and I don't even want to. And then I just had a moment. It was actually after I went on maternity leave where I came back. And that was a moment in my career where I went from feeling like I'm going to go from being like the top person on the team to the bottom because I took three months off. And the opposite happened where I went from everybody felt the gap. And I went from feeling like I had to have all the answers to that moment helped me realize what my strengths were, where I could bring together, for me, it's like I'm, my ability to bring together cross-functional teams and actually get work done. I didn't need to be you know, the product marketer that had the tech speeds and feeds. Like that wasn't my strength. And I spent so much time focusing there. I was missing the things that I was good at. And something about maternity leave coming back and maybe having that time to think and the team without me just help put it into perspective for me. Yeah, I think sometimes part of career growth is when we go from being uh, the doer to really thinking about leading the doers. And it sometimes makes us have two things. One is I think there's still that self-doubt that you're not, you're not the subject matter expert anymore, or you feel like you're not contributing because you're not a doer. But the truth is, um, it's, it's, it's growth, right? It's, it's growth. And you're now the leader of that. And you're, you're, you're ensuring that these, you know, these individuals are also growing at the same time. So it's, you know, it, it's funny that when you're contributing to somebody else's growth, you feel like that's, you know, a uh, bad thing for your own growth, but it's actually, you know, kind of the next step in, in the career. But I understand because I, I've been in that position a couple of times, the same thing where you walk in and think, wow, these people are all doing so much for the company. You think that you're not, but you really are because you're the, you're the person who's, who's actually motivating all of that and getting it done. I think that's a classic challenge that people who are moving from an individual contributor to a manager face. It's very strange to go from being a doer to being a manager where you should be thinking about how are you delegating things to your team? Because it feels like, wait, but I'm not doing it anymore. Like that's a tangible where you can see I did this and it resulted in that. And how do you delegate and try to come up with the same result without touching every single piece? Exactly. And, you know, I, I always say leadership matters. And I think that that is a really, um, you know, great thing about you. You can tell that you value the, the leadership that you're providing to that team. And that's that's phenomenal. Thank you. So. In your career, have you decided to change your career path? Yes and no. Um, I took my first business course in high school and I just never saw myself as a mom or a bride. I saw myself in a suit, which is really funny because I don't wear suits. Um, <laughs> there was like a, maybe a few interviews I did, but I wear blazers, but usually it's with like jeans. Um, I just, 
I, I knew I was passionate about business and it was like an intro to business course. And I loved marketing. I loved that it was structured, but creative versus like finance or, you know, accounting. Um, and then I went to business school. So I went to Bentley for my undergrad and I just, I knew I wanted to be in business and I took a bunch of marketing courses and I, I just have always had that passion for marketing. But when I came out of school, my internships were in marketing they're just, you never know where the economy is going to be. And in this case, it wasn't that great. There were a bunch of email marketing jobs. And I did know that I didn't want to do that specific discipline. That's another thing about marketing. There's so many facets of it. Mm -hmm. You could go really deep into one area, but I wanted to be more of a generalist. And so I took a sales job and worked through sales. Like I grew up through a sales organization for four years in my first role. And it was a series of sales and channel experience. And it was great. Like I, I realized after I shifted into marketing that I kind of knew I always wanted to get back to marketing. So it was trying to navigate my way back there. But I realized all that experience I gained along the way, even when I wasn't realizing it in the moment actually helped differentiate me as a marketer. Because when I got into marketing and I looked around, nobody knew what how sales functioned or operated. And it felt so foreign to me because that's what I had grown up through for four years. And, you know, one of the key customers for marketing is sales. Like most of what we're doing, not just building brand awareness in the market, but we're generating leads and handing them to sales so they can go close deals. And so I've kind of navigated. And, and since then I've mainly stayed in marketing, but gone through, you know, all the different facets of marketing, which even the ones that I wasn't excited about, looking back really taught me so much. That's great. You know, it, it's overcoming those obstacles, right? That, you know, I, I love that you took the sales job and now you actually have the perspective of the sales team too as well, because that brings so much value to marketing. You know, when you're really building what the sales team is is actively selling, you know, and that you're actually working with the team to, to lead their charge. That's fantastic, Kara. Yeah, well, and I started as a sales associate or a business development rep and I hated going to work every day. I had to cold call and I had to get 15 appointments a week. And I was in the most saturated territory. And it was like, I'd wake up and not want to go. And now I feel so much pride in that I've done that job. So like, I'm not just talking to BDRs about calling, you know, leads that marketing is sending over. I actually did that. And um, so I kind of wear it as a badge of honor, if you will. You should, you should, that's great. So what advice would you have for your younger self? Uh, it would tie back to those days, really. Um, be in the moment. I mean, it would be two pieces of advice. One would be be in the moment and be a sponge. If you had told me when I was in my early 20s in my first job in corporate America that I would be you know, 20 years out and be cherishing that time and experience, I would have said, you're nuts. Like there's nothing positive that can come from this. I don't want to go to work any during the morning, but um, truly being in the moment. And I think young professionals particularly are always so, and I totally get this. I was like this myself, but they're so quick to want to get out of the role that they're in and, and move to the next thing. And you just lose out on so many learning opportunities and what you're in. So truly being in the moment and being a sponge in that moment, because it's a crazy intertwined world. You never know who you're working with that you're going to run into again. You never know what experience, whether it's a project or like a core function of a role that's going to play out 
at a later point in your career that truly you would have never seen coming. Um, and I, I think there were points in my career where I was like too quick to try to move on and not really embracing the moment that I was in. And I, I also learned it's not this straight and narrow path. It's not like an upward trajectory. I have taken sidesteps, backward steps, zigzags. And there were moments when that was happening that I kind of felt like not ashamed, but just like, oh, I should just be going up and up and up and up. But that's not reality. And you don't learn that way. Like I, sometimes you do need to like that whole notion of slow down to speed up. Like I took steps backwards in my career, but those steps backwards actually catapulted me forward. Um, and I took sidesteps, but it was like, what did I learn in those sidesteps that truly helped me in my career and helped me be a better, you know, CMO in the role that I'm in today? You know, it's interesting. First of all, you said that very well. Um, I think that there's a lot of times where these uh, younger, the younger generation actually thinks that it's a straight shot. You're going to go from, you know, it's, it's just like a, a project plan, right? There's a timeline that they're going to do this to this, to this, to this, to this. It doesn't work that way. You know, it is a journey. And we say this all the time that young ladies need to understand that this is a journey. It's not, you know, a destination. It's not just this one, you know, mark in the plan. It's, it, it is always going to twist and turn. There are going to be obstacles. And that tenacity that you had throughout your career is what got you to where you are right? Being able to, to overcome those obstacles and actually stay the path and actually learn. Like you said, you stepped outside your zone to do something that, you know, you thought, you know, was different than with the sales approach. And then you learned more about the, the actual, you know, uh, part of your career that you love and, and you wanted to be part of. And that's, you know, sometimes that's almost like going to school, right? Going to another class yeah. in school, but you're in, you're in the thick of it and you're, and you're, and you're learning and you need to, to understand that this is where you are today. So, I mean, kudos to you, Kara, you've done a great job. I mean, you know, this is, uh, you know, you can definitely tell that you've put thought into your career and, and that, you know, that you're, you're bringing obviously thought leadership to, to your team. Thank you. I mean, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say too, like there were really dark moments in my career and the best advice that I could give someone is lean into those moments. Like it was, I, I hit like a total wall in my career and I couldn't, even my husband, um, I think we were married at the time said, maybe you should just quit. And I was like, no, I've, I'm, I have three children and I have not left the workforce partly because I don't want to have to re-enter the workforce, mm -hmm. um, which is a whole separate dialogue. But I just remember being like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to ride this out and I'm going to, I mean, like borderline depression in some points. And it was leaning into that to understand why am I feeling this way? And I had the best way I can explain it is like, one day the clouds parted and the sun came out. And I felt like in that whole process, I got to know myself better. And those are things that are like core to who I am now, but it took really leaning into it and trying to figure it out to get to the other side of it. It's, it's true. And I think, you know, that that is sound advice, right? Is that you need to lean in, you need to feel the feelings that you're feeling and that, you know, you need to, to put those where they need to be and get the lesson out of it. I think that we all think that we're alone in our thoughts, but the truth is a lot of us feel that exact same way. I know that I felt that during COVID, you know, was, you know, kind of how am I going to get, you know, through this 
without having women to talk to, uh, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and being able to go to the water cooler and say, hey, what's going on with this, you know, STEM initiative that we have, or, go, you know, what's going on here or there. So, you know, you have to make the best out of the situation, but I, you know, I kind of, you know, understand, you know, that also that thought of maybe you should just quit, you know what I mean? Because that is something sometimes that sends a message too to a company. You never know. Yep. Well, thank you, Carol, for being here today. We really appreciate you being part of this. Um, you, you're you're uh, obviously a very insightful leader, and we really do appreciate that. Thank you. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to share, and if it helps one person along the way, then it was worth it. Thanks, Carol.